welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Josefa Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 69. And today I have not one guest, but two. Their names are Michael and Larissa Milne. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And the reason why I wanted to have Michael and Larissa on the show is because they have been traveling the world for over four years, mostly staying at Airbnb locations. So they have a lot of experiences with Airbnb hosts. And so they're in a good position to give us some feedback about what we can do better, how we can improve and how we should treat our Airbnb guests. But first of all, let's let's learn a little bit more about Michael and Larissa's story because it's it's really interesting. So please tell us a little bit about how your journey started, why you made the decision to to start traveling and and all the good stuff. Okay, Jasper. Um, we are from Philadelphia originally, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the US. And in 2011, we had just kind of had it with our jobs and things going on in our life. So we said, let's quit our jobs, sell our house, give away everything we own and travel around the world for a year. And since we're from Philadelphia, we also traveled with a Rocky statue. If you know the, the famous movie Rocky. Right. And at first we thought we'd just travel for a year, just kind of clear our heads a little bit. And about halfway through the journey, we decided, you know, we really like doing this and let's see if we can do this longer. And we started a blog at uh, changesinlongitude.com and started writing for the Philadelphia newspaper about our journey. And the writing career started taking off and about halfway through the journey, we found out about Airbnb, which we didn't know about before. And all of a sudden we were able to get properties cheaper. We could stay long term, maybe rent for a month. And um, by using Airbnb, we, we realized we can keep this going. As, let's see how long we can keep this going. And so far, it's been four years, and we're still on the road with no address. That sounds like a dream to many, I'm sure. What made you make that initial decision? And did you have any doubts, or was it scary <laughs> to leave everything behind? It was a little bit scary, probably just because we, it was, it was scary, I guess, and exciting at the same time. We were just at a point in our lives, we were feeling a little burnt out. We had had some uh, tiring kind of work situations, and then we also had a rough family situation, and we just felt like we needed to take a, a longer break than, than a typical vacation. And so we had always wanted to travel around the world and had never had the opportunity to do it. Jobs were always pressing and we didn't, we either didn't have the money or didn't have the time. And by selling our house, we were ready to get a smaller house anyway. And so by selling our house, that gave us some of the funding to start our journey. And um, it was exciting, but, but a little bit intimidating. But I will tell you that one thing that was, was great about it is it was very freeing 
to get rid of a lot of our possessions. Once we started getting rid of things, it was actually kind of infectious. It, it was like, wow, we really don't need this and we don't need that. We sold our cars, you know, that kind of thing. And once you start getting rid of that stuff, you realize there are costs associated with having them. And if you don't have them, you can live a lot more simply and a lot more cheaply. When we travel around the world, everything we own fits in a 22-inch suitcase for each of us and a little computer bag. So, you know, we're just, we're just possession-free, I guess. Yeah, I can totally relate to that because it's, uh, I'm in a similar situation. And it's funny to see how little stuff we actually need. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? Yep. I yes. remember when I left my apartment, I'd, I'd only lived in the U.S. for a year and a half after I left. And in that 18 months, I managed to gather so much stuff, it was kind of shocking to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you look at that stuff and you say, why, why do I have this? And <laughs> how did this come into my apartment? Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. How does this happen? And then you look at the, the money you spent buying all that stuff. That's right. And then you either give it away or, you, you know, I sold a couple things on Greg's list. But when you sell secondhand stuff, it hardly brings in maybe 30 40% of, of the right. value if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, now I, I'm in the same situation. I, I have a small bag and, and that's uh, I have some stuff in my apartment in Amsterdam, but uh, other than that, I, uh, I don't own much either and you just mm -hmm. don't need it. That's right. It's very liberating. It feels good. Yeah, absolutely. The less stuff you have, the less stuff you have to worry about. That's right. So what countries have you guys been to and how many countries have you, have you been to so far? We've been to about 70 countries, so it's, um, we, we won't bore you with a listing. We've been to six continents. I'd say some of the more unusual countries, uh, we've been to North Korea, which is uh, an unusual country from anyone's viewpoint, and even more so for Americans. And, um, and I would say that that's probably one of the few countries on, on the planet that Airbnb doesn't have a listing. Yeah, I worked out there in, out there in North Korea. And um, but we've just been, you know, all over Europe, North and South America, Australia, Asia, Africa. So the Middle East. Middle East. But we're, we're constantly seeking new places. The, the one that we haven't been to is Japan that we'd like to go to. They had just had a tsunami when we were in the area. So um, it just wasn't a good time to go there, but we'd like to try at some point. Mm hmm what are some of the challenges that you guys have faced? Because I know lifestyle of, of travel sounds really amazing, but it also has some challenges, for example, productivity or, you know, moving around all the time. What are, what are some of the challenges you guys have faced? Uh, some of the challenges that we face is actually planning enough time and, and, and slowing down, traveling more slowly. When we first started our round-the-world journey, I think we moved a little bit too quickly. And that was uh, probably because we were thinking of it was going to take a year. And, um, you know, so we were uh, – we wanted to see as much as we possibly could. And for instance, we'd be in uh, Southeast Asia and think, well, we're so close to Vietnam from Cambodia, we should just take a quick flight and go over or different other different parts of Europe. And we would move very quickly from destination to destination. And you mentioned the word productivity, and that certainly impacts your productivity if you're constantly traveling. Uh, it also It's also tiring. You know, you, sometimes you just really need a down day or two to just do nothing or even a week. Uh, and if you're constantly traveling, you, you can't have that time. So what we've learned in our travels is to to slow down quite a bit. Um, and that's where the 
the whole concept of staying somewhere for a month has really come in. Uh, we've learned that that's more cost effective for us. It's, it's cheaper to rent a place for a month uh, on Airbnb and, and virtually any place else. Uh, and also it's better on our, on our social, our, emotional and physical well-being and, and plus and we're, we're working we're travel writers now we, we write for a lot of different outlets including our blog and you know we're not on constant vacation um if anything we probably work seven days a week which is more than when we had real jobs um but it, it we're we're always having to be productive so we can't just we're not out sightseeing every day you know right. the, it sounds exotic wow they travel the world all the time but we're, we're working travelers and, you know, just sightseeing all the time without something to do actually would be, get quite boring after a while. Right. And then and what I find is a lot of people don't quite understand um, this, this aspect of, of being a digital nomad or location independent mm-hmm. worker, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I, I was just in Ho Chi Minh City for about five weeks. And a lot of people ask me, oh, well, you know, are, are you just going to be in Ho Chi Minh City? Why aren't you going to see all these other cool places in Vietnam, right? Right. We had that. I think my friends still think I'm on a, just a, a never-ending holiday. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And great city, by the way, Ho Chi Minh City. Um, but, yeah, it, it, and that's what they think. I think because a lot of people associate travel with vacation and holiday, and that's what they think of. That's their two- or three-week period during the year when they go to relax and they have no work responsibilities. But when you're constantly traveling, work get, gets mixed in. Although I will say it's different with Europeans and Americans because Europeans take more vacation than Americans. Right, and uh, that's that's a lifestyle to which we we as a subscriber aspire aspire aspire. You should definitely take Americans yeah. need to take more vacation. Period. Right. Awesome. So let's uh, jump on to Airbnb. Okay. Um, you mentioned that you use Airbnb quite a lot during your travels, correct? That's true. Yes. And um, how did you find out about Airbnb? We first found out about it, interestingly enough, ironically, in North Korea. There was somebody on the tour that we took um, who was from San Francisco, and he said, you should check this out. I, I was familiar with some other vacation rental websites, but had never used Airbnb, and he was somebody that was a host in San Francisco. And, and this was in 2011. Yeah, late 2011. And... Um, just hadn't really hadn't really explored it, and then as we were doing our travels, we had already booked a couple of uh, several weeks worth of travel in advance, you know, after our trip uh, to North Korea. And then we got to the Middle East, and I was I was looking for we were looking for some places to stay, and some of the traditional methods I was using, some hotel booking sites and and other vacation rental sites. I just wasn't finding what I was looking for. So I had remembered this and decided to check on Airbnb. And all of a sudden I thought, wow, you know, here's this whole resource that I had hadn't really been taking advantage of. So our, the first uh, Airbnb rental we did was a, a rental of a house in the North of Israel. And it was, it was a whole house and it was a guy that was a, uh, actually a college professor who was on a sabbatical someplace else. He was somewhere in Europe and he was renting out the house while he was gone. And uh, we had such a great experience because his, his neighbor who was his you know, a friend from childhood was actually acting as the host, kind of letting us into the place and was very welcoming. And um, in addition to showing us around the house we rented, 
actually invited us into his home. We met his family. We met his, you know, his wife, his kids. And it was such a different rental experience to anything else we had had that we realized that this was something that was really going to change the way we were traveling. And to back up a second, you know, if Airbnb was a country, we'd probably qualify for citizenship. We spend over half the year in Airbnb properties. And we've yeah, been that's doing true. That for several years now. So it, it's typically the first website that we look at when we're looking for lodging. And how many Airbnbs have you stayed at so far? Oh, at I'm, least 60. Yeah, I haven't counted recently, but it's, yeah, it's probably 50 or 60. And um, the way we use Airbnb, um, because we're a couple, um, we tend we don't use the shared um, room option, but we do use the private room and the entire place option. And the way we work it is if we're going to be staying somewhere for probably more than three or four days, we would look for the entire place rental type of option and oftentimes for a month at a time. If it's going to be a night or two, um, then we'll use the private room option. You know, any any longer than that for us, we feel like it gets a little cramped, and we don't want to start living in somebody's house and yeah. getting into their space. We, we've done several road trips across America in the last year, so one night in a, in a private room works fine mm -hmm. in somebody's house. Right. How has Airbnb changed, in your opinion, since you guys have been doing it for quite a while? Do you see That's... that hosts have been have been changing, or do you get different type of hosts, or? That's a really good question. Yeah, I, I think I think what we're seeing first off is more availability, a, a wider a wider selection of places available. Um, probably in the U.S. more than Europe. It seems that in what we've our our impression anyway is that the Europeans seem to have embraced the Airbnb concept more quickly than a lot of places in the U.S. The U.S. it took off. Uh, it was it became more popular very quickly in large cities, and which makes sense. You know, typically places like San Francisco or New York, where lodging is very expensive, so it, it provides a very good low cost alternative. Um, but what we're seeing now is even in more I don't want to say remote areas, but uh, maybe more country settings or suburban settings, residential neighborhoods. There are more and more opportunities and options. I think now that the word is has continued to get out about Airbnb, people are realizing uh, either A, this is a great way for me to make some extra money, or you know, B, hey, I have some space in my lodging, whether it's a house or an apartment that I'm not using, I wouldn't mind having some guests in. So we just have a lot more options, which I think is great for everybody. What we're also noticing, since a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon as hosts, is a wide range of um, say, quality. quality of listings, you know, some, some of the listings you could tell that people clean the apartment first um, and they take great photos and others there's dirty towels all over the floor of the bathroom, there's dirty dishes in the sink and that's a real turnoff. We figure if that's how they're presenting their apartment when they're trying to sell it to you, what's it going to be like when we get there? And, and hosts really need to be conscious of just putting their best foot forward. This isn't something casual. This is a business transaction. And you're asking people to pay you pay you money to, to spend the night in your in your home, and you really need to make it look good. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I totally agree, and you know that's that's part of the reason why why I got into this podcast and why I wrote the book because I noticed that there were so many listings that just didn't look good. Mm -hmm. but, uh, I, I felt like there was a lot of room to uh, 
to provide some valuable information to um, to Airbnb hosts and help them do a better job. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I want to go back to what you said about Airbnb catching on in Europe even much more than than in the U.S. Because I recently wrote a blog post where I listed the top ten Airbnb cities. Yeah. yeah, we did see that. Okay, you saw that, yeah. Okay, yeah. And I was I was quite surprised because I thought. This whole thing started in the U.S. There's going to be, the, you know, in the top 10, there's going to be like five or six U.S. cities. But to my surprise, New York and Los Angeles were the only ones in the top 10. And, um, you know, just uh, to uh, be comprehensive, let me just quickly list the top 10 cities. So it's mm-hmm. Paris, then it's New York, London, Rio de Janeiro. Barcelona, Rome, Berlin, Los Angeles, Copenhagen, and Sydney. So I thought that was quite interesting. And also, yeah, I thought so too. Um, I, I wouldn't expect Rio de Janeiro to be in there. I think that might have been because they hosted the World Cup and a lot of people were uh, setting up apartments and then they have the Olympics coming up in a few years. Right. A, the reason, the big Europe has a, a long, a long-standing tradition of renting out a room in your home. You think of the English B&B model. It's a retired woman or a widow who rents out some rooms in her house. And you also see that on the continent, whereas America doesn't really have that tradition as much of renting out a room in your house. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a misconception. I think this is something Airbnb needs to work on. Most people we come across think Airbnb is only renting a room in someone's house. Or, or sleeping on somebody's or, or sleeping couch, on basically. Sofa. Right. They don't realize that there are probably more options to rent your own place. And like Larissa said, when we're staying in a place a few days or more, we want our own place, we want our own kitchen. Um, and they need to get the word out better that this is really, it's a, it's you know, the competitors of VRBO or home away that they really need to show people, particularly people maybe over, over the age of 50 that aren't used to this. Let's say over the age of 40. Over the age of 40, that it's not, just a sharing economy company where you, you crash in somebody's sofa. It's it's a way to rent a legitimate apartment mm-hmm. of, your, think, of your own. And I think Airbnb is kind of working on that, you know, to change their image slightly. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I think they want to get into the whole vacation rental business more and more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see how that develops over the, over the next few years. Um, let's talk about your experiences. You've you've been with 50 or 60 hosts and uh, most of the people who are listening are probably Airbnb hosts so I think we can learn a lot from from you guys since you guys are basically our customers mm-hmm. okay. so what's uh, let's start with uh, let's start with some what are some of the best experiences and some of the worst experiences that you guys have had well, well I'll mention one of the best experiences we were staying in El Paso Texas uh, with a couple of they're retired in their 60s, and we were just renting a room in their house for a few nights. And at one point, the, the husband mentioned that his father had served in World War II and had been in the, the D-Day invasion in Normandy. He had been one of the pathfinders that flew over the night before. And he lives a few blocks away. And I said, wow, I'm interested in military history. Would he like to talk with us? He goes, oh, he loves telling war stories. So the next day we met with his father, Amy, who was about 90 years old. Yeah. And the stories he was telling us were fascinating. He was also in, in your neck of the woods in, in Amsterdam in the, the market garden operation. Mm. And if we had stayed in a hotel, we never would have met this World War II veteran who was in, uh, D, uh, in Normandy on D-Day. And 
staying at Airbnb really enriches our travel and our lives really. We stayed in Nashville in someone's house. He turns out he's a musician, like many people are in Nashville. We went to see his band playing concert one night. And we're still friends on Facebook and we still keep in touch. And these are experiences that you just don't have staying in a in a hotel or a motel. Very cool. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested in, in war stories as well. So um <laughs> if I uh, if I go that way then I'll ask you uh I'll ask you about that particular listing. Yeah, it was really special. We even wrote a blog post about it because he we got to see all of his memorabilia. He had all kinds of things that he had saved. It was really a special experience. If you go to our blog at changesinlongitude.com in the search box, you just put D-Day and he'll come up. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll, I'll certainly have a look at that. I'm actually in Arnhem right now at my parents' place, which is where uh, the Market Garden operation right. took place. Mm -hmm. in, he, uh, he was there. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's amazing. I know a lot about it. Um, local history over here mm -hmm. and uh, we're still very grateful for you guys came and save us from the evil Germans of course <laughs> um, all the so, Berlin hosts listening <laughs> um, so uh, okay cool so that's some cool experiences mm -hmm. what are some of the the worst experiences that you've had you know the, the reality is I knew you were going to ask that because you said what are the best and some of the worst. And the reality is we haven't had very many bad experiences at all, um, which is part of the reason we keep going back to Airbnb. But I will tell you probably one experience that was a little strange, which made made us feel a little bit uncomfortable. We were we were staying in um, out west, in the western U.S. and um, we were renting a room in someone's house because we were on a road trip. And uh, the woman, the host, called us during the day to let us know that she wasn't going to be around that night. She had to be away. And she said, so you'll have the house to yourself. But here's the information on how to get into the house and all that. Uh, and, you know, I've left, uh, you know, towels and that sort of stuff for you. So we said, okay, that's fine. We got to the house and um, we were just kind of hanging out in the evening. And it was in a pretty remote location. And all of it was, it was a mile long driveway. It was a lot. It was a great stay. You know, it was a nice private room in somebody's house with a bathroom. Um, and and then all of a sudden there was this this man at the door, and and it was it was pretty late at night. It was about ten thirty or eleven o'clock at night. And um, Michael went to the door and said to the guy, "Can Ooh. I help you?" And he says, "I live here." And we're thinking, "This sounds like a scam." And you know, here we are. Um, so finally, I started asking him questions, and he seemed honest enough, and he seemed to know about the house. And then he said, well, that's my, my bedroom in there, and you're sitting on my furniture. It turns out there was another bedroom we had seen. It was, it was several bedrooms in the home. And so we let him in, and um, it turns out he was legitimate. He did live there, but the woman hadn't told us somebody lived there. She thought he was going to be away for the so, but, but, but didn't she, tell us someone else lived there. Yeah, she was subleasing her house to somebody else. She had another tenant, and it was just a very odd experience. And if Larissa had been traveling by herself, it would have been uh, really kind of scary. And um, I will mention one other suggestion for Airbnb hosts, because that, that, the bedroom did not have a lock on the door, and every bedroom at a minimum needs – you need to be able to lock yourself in the bedroom when you're sleeping at night. and. Only about half the houses have those on the bedroom door. Mm, interesting. So how how does, did this situation get resolved? Well, we let them in. <laughs> we slept with one eye open, and 
he, he was all right. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he turned out to be fine, but it was just kind of a, a an alarming. There was there, there was really nothing wrong. And if the woman, uh, if our host had said, um, "I have another tenant. This is his name. He may or may not be there. You know, his name is Bill. Bill may not. I'm not sure if Bill will be there or not. That would have been fine because then we would have at least known that was the other tenant. But the problem was it. You know, it, it ended up being fine because he legitimately belonged there. But um, the problem was she never made us aware of that. And we were under the impression we were going to be the only people in the house and that there was nobody else renting a room. Uh, he wasn't another Airbnb guest. He was a long-term tenant. Um, so that was that was just kind of an, you know, it's a situation for uh, an alert for, for hosts to say that if you've got situations like that, just make people potential guests aware of that just so they know um it, it was the not the the not knowing the situation that was alarming more than the situ you know more than him showing up mm -hmm. i think yeah and that was one stay out of you know 60 yeah. plus we've had maybe two or three where the place was so so but we really haven't had an experience where we showed up and said wow this is really bad and left yeah the, the other thing that I will say, Jasper, that um, we've come to to appreciate uh, with regard to certain stays at Airbnb, it's it's kind of ironic to me that the, the title of the company and the title of the service is Airbnb, which to, to me and probably to most European, I think to Americans as well, means bed and breakfast. And there are a lot of places we've stayed where breakfast is not included. Most, most many most of them, particularly in the most. U.S., and, and I think that's a mistake. I think that if the company's name is Airbnb, some sort of breakfast should be offered. It doesn't have to be making omelets for everybody, uh, you know, and sitting around the table, which some of the videos on the, on the Airbnb website kind of show. It could be something as simple as, hey, here's a box of cereal. Here's some milk in the refrigerator. Here's coffee. Help yourself coffee. Um, but I find that to be a gap in certain uh, destinations when I go there. Um, you know, some people are, are very, really love doing the whole breakfast thing, and, and that's great, but it's not necessary. But something simple, I think, is is expected. And, and I know that um, when we stayed a, a bunch of different places in Australia, one of the things that I really liked in rentals was that they, oh, they seemed to make sure, it seemed to be an Australian tradition, that no matter where you stayed, there were always, even if you were renting a place, in the fridge, you would have one day's worth of breakfast. They would give you either some yogurt or some cereal or milk, coffee, tea, maybe a couple of eggs. But you, you always had enough so that when you the first day, you didn't have to go running out to the to the market to get food. And, and, and some of this references when we're staying in a room in someone's house. Um, if we have our own place, we're okay with getting our own breakfast. We'll go to the market. Unless the, no, yeah. No, I still I still like the idea that they provide you with a little a few starter yeah, things. Yeah, to start it, but if, if it's but it's even more important when it, when you were just staying for a night, you know, we don't have a refrigerator and you know to go out and buy yogurt or milk and then store it in your bedroom because um, we've had some places where they tell you specifically the kitchen's off limits. Right. And so I might just grab a granola bar the night before mm -hmm. and eat that for breakfast. Yeah, yeah, I would say that was one one thing. This wasn't necessarily a bad stay. Um, but it was a surprise. The room was very nice, and yeah, they, the woman specifically said the kitchen was off limits, but she didn't provide any any means to store food in the room. 
And she gave us, we didn't know this till we got there, but there was a listing of places to go for breakfast. And, you know, I yeah, didn't. So if it's one night, people mm -hmm. need to, to yeah. provide something. Yeah, you already answered the next question I wanted to ask because when you mentioned the breakfast, I was thinking, well, if you're renting a room in somebody's house, then I can imagine that person, you know, would, would invite you to, to use the kitchen. And if you're going to get breakfast for yourself, you go to the supermarket, you might, you mm -hmm. might as well buy some extras and, and invite your guests to have breakfast with you, right? Mm -hmm. But what about, um, what about entire places? If, if, you rent, if you're renting a place and, and that person isn't there, like, would you recommend um, the, the host just buy some buy one day worth of breakfast and just put it in the fridge and leave it there? Yeah, yeah, I think that and it, it doesn't even have to be that sophisticated, you know, that complicated. Uh, you know, we just stayed in a place in New Jersey where the woman kind of had a little goodie basket. She had some, I think it was maybe a few granola bars, some fresh fruit, and um, some things for coffee and tea. And that was plenty because that we, we arrived late at night, so at least we knew the next morning, you know, we would have something, we could put something in our stomach before we went to the grocery and store. And that was a one month stay. So if you're staying in a place for a month, it's really not allowed to ask to have a yeah. little thing like that. Right. And so we've stayed at some places for one night and they have a full larder of food available for you. It just, there's a lot of inconsistencies in Airbnb and right. you really need to make that more consistent with their practices. So that's a good tip for all the hosts out there to uh, provide at least a, a one day worth of, of breakfast. I think it makes sense, especially if you arrive uh, late at night. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's nice to, uh, to have something available, something small, either a couple of granola bars, maybe some cereals or mm -hmm. a couple eggs and some bread or not and, and, since, and since it is in the name, Airbnb, that's <laughs> what that second B stands for. Right, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do you also uh, require every host to have an airbed? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's, I'd, I'd right. rather a regular if, bed. If, if it was an air bed, we wouldn't be staying. That's a good point. You know, I actually do have an air bed, <laughs> but it's uh, because sometimes I have uh, five people staying at a place and I only uh -huh. have yeah. two beds. Um, so now that we're talking about uh, advice for for hosts, what are some other things that you would recommend uh, that hosts do? Or some some areas where you think hosts can improve, or or maybe also some things that that most people are already doing pretty well. A, a minimum thing would have would be to have soap and fresh a new soap and shampoo in the bathroom. So, uh, most places do that, like hotels do, but some don't. And when you're traveling and you just stay in a place for a night, you may not have all that stuff with you. Yeah, and I would say um, on the the concept of soap, uh, if you don't want to start using fresh soap then use the soap that's in the um the, the bottle like the shower gel or something because i think it's it's something that most people you don't necessarily want to go and use a shower sometimes people there's a hair on the on the soap if it's left yeah. over from a prior yeah, guest that's a little yucky you know mm -hmm. so you just um you know i don't mind if there's a bottle of shower gel in the shower or you know that's that liquid soap on the on the uh the sink uh, to use, but I, I don't really want to use soap that's already been used by somebody else. One thing that people should have when you show up, there should be a card or a piece of paper that lists things like um, if there's a code for the lock, uh, the Wi-Fi code should be listed there. 
oh, you would be surprised how many get uh, how many hosts don't give you this basic information and then you're scrambling around trying to figure it out. It would be nice to list where the markets are in the area. We can look it up on Google, but it would be nice for somebody who has local knowledge to, to recommend a place. But leaving the Wi-Fi code and also making a Wi-Fi code that's fairly simple instead of 13 nice. digits and the thing that came with the router, you know, change that. It could be the name of the place and an exclamation point or just something. Yeah. Nobody else can guess it, but it's easy for guests. That's a good, uh, that's a really good point. Maybe I'll make a video on this because I've noticed that a lot of hosts actually don't know how to change their, uh, the right. name Wi-Fi of the code. We get some that are, so it could just be guests one exclamation point. No one's going to figure that out except whoever listens to this podcast. And, um, <laughs> and also how, something as simple as the TV remotes. You would be surprised how many hosts themselves don't know how to work the TV remotes. You know how you use one for volume and one for channel. It depends on their cable system or whatever. Um, there really needs to be directions for how everything works. It could be how the coffee maker works or it could be where the, if, where the coffee maker is. Um, they're, they're used to this place because they live there or it's their, their rental apartment. But someone arriving late at night doesn't know any of this stuff. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I will, I will add to that that all of that information is very useful and very welcome. But what I would recommend to hosts is not to put that information on their Airbnb listing. Yeah. You know, there's a place that lists house rules. Yeah. And um, sometimes people will put all of that information on their Airbnb listing under house rules. And I don't think that that's really the proper place for it. Under house rules, when I'm looking to book a place, I want something simple that says, uh, no smoking on the property or leave it clean, leave it clean or quiet hours. Please no partying. I, I don't need all the intricate details of take your towels and put them in the laundry. Clean the frying pan. You know, that kind of stuff. I think it, it's just too much information on the website. I think you just, you want a basic knowledge of, is this place going to be suitable for me? You know, if, if you're somebody who really likes to stay up late and, and they're saying, and the host is saying the house rules are, you know, no, no loud noise after 10 o'clock, well, then you realize maybe that's not the best place and, for me to stay. But I don't really need to know all of the other details until I get there. And some of these, it looks like a lawyer wrote it. Um, I remember one, it said, no dyeing your hair in the tub. <laughs> so I guess at one point, maybe somebody dyed their hair. I don't know. But when you read that on the listing and when the, where there's a lot of rules on the listing, I start to think, wow, this isn't somebody whose house I want to stay in. They're kind of fussy. Yep. And so they're better off just being mellow on a listing and, and leave the instructions when you get there, like Larissa says. Yeah. That's yeah. a subtle thing, but it's just it's, a... It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I remember very well when I was writing uh, one of the chapters in my book because I, I saw a listing and it literally mentioned like 25 or 30 different things. Yeah. We've seen those, yeah. yeah. And it's like you, you just don't feel welcome, you know. It's like exactly. It's we like won't you have stay. to, you have to, like, you know, um, go for all these different conditions to be allowed to to book this place. And then, right. And yeah, you're afraid. You know, you're afraid to touch anything. And we end up not staying at those places, so that they're hurting themselves. Yeah. And 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 this listing that I was looking at, it even mentioned things like no guns allowed in the house. Okay. Is that, was that in America? <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> it said extra guns required. Um, and also some people who do provide these breakfast items, 
they should say that in their listing because right. the only way we know some of the people's comments will say, oh, they provided this and that. You know, they should put it in their listing, be proud of it, yeah. and make it an amenity. Yeah, one of my recommendations for would be for Airbnb. Um, the on the listing itself, there is. I know there's a place that says breakfast, yes or no, um, and but that's all there is. Is is just a a way to say yes, breakfast is available or no, breakfast is not. But it's not really clear what type of if breakfast. You're making it. They're making it. Clear. Yeah. Yep. And again, we're not looking for people to necessarily get up and make breakfast for us. It's just nice to have some food available. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, I, I was staying uh, in Bangkok a couple of months ago. I was staying with Kelly Compton, who's actually been on the podcast twice. Mm -hmm. I think he uh, he's uh, he has an award for the best host in Thailand. Oh. And so, what what he does, what I thought was a really good solution, he uh, he has fridges in all the rooms. So what he does is he puts a bunch of drinks in there. He puts a bunch of food. Like things like crisps and cereals, some instant noodles, and there's a water boiler there as well, so you can actually, you know, you can cook the the noodles. But what he does is he leaves a little box in the room, and he just says, okay, well, you know, every item is is a dollar, and you know, you just put put a dollar in the in the box for every item that you take. And I thought that was a that was a good way to 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 do it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it yeah because it then you're just making it convenient for someone. That that that's a good that is a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, so I'm thinking to implement some of some of this stuff. Or that depends, well. though. Or you just raise your price a dollar or two, and it's included, and then people feel like they got something free. Because we've stayed yeah. places where they have a lot of food and it's free, and it's pretty impressive when they do that. Mm -hmm. You know what? When I started hosting, I actually did do that i uh i had a lot of drinks in the fridge mm -hmm. but then uh well i felt like some people were kind of like taking some drinks with them after uh, that day yeah so it seemed like every time there was new guests i had to like buy another like 20 30 cans of soda so, uh, yeah i could understand that that yeah. can get frustrating there are some people that think that anything that isn't attached to the wall is free and that <laughs> <laughs> We we try not to be that ho that guest, but we, but we, I can understand. We, we, that. we stayed at an Airbnb, and we got there. There was a note from the host saying, "I'll be back tomorrow to replace the kitchen stuff because the people before us had taken a bunch of the kitchen implements and utensils. <laughs> they had taken pots and pans. It was really cleaned bad. out the kitchen. So, <laughs> so there's also uh, I think somebody should write a book about how to be a good Airbnb guest. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. We've uh, we've kind of talked about that. Well, we do say Airbnb has super hosts, but they don't have a super guest category, which we um, we we have visited their headquarters and met some of the people there and provide some new suggestions. But I'm not sure if they if they've taken or not. You haven't received the the super super guest badge yet. No, we don't have our little little badge. I don't yet. think they have one, but they should. <laughs> and the free free stays for life. Yeah. yeah, that would be that nice. That would be nice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be, uh, I'd be pretty happy with that. So mm -hmm. I don't know if Brian is listening. Uh, I know he listens to the podcast sometimes. Does he? But, uh, he's well, also a busy man, of course. But uh, what, what Airbnb does, they put the emphasis on the host, uh, you know, signing up host. You know, look how you get a $75 credit if you sign a host up or 25 for signing a guest. 
And, you know, in our, our attitude is the money really comes from the guests. They're the ones paying um, for the room night. So they did more emphasis on the guests. That would probably be a good thing. Absolutely. Awesome. So we've been talking for 40 minutes already. I'm sure we can mm-hmm. talk for another couple hours. Um, <laughs> but um, any last pieces of advice for, uh, for all the hosts who are listening? I, I did have one thought that I was just thinking about the um, the site the locations that we usually express interest in are ones that have good photos and they don't necessarily have to be the artistic photos that the Airbnb um, I know Airbnb will provide a photographer and they those those people do a great job um, but I'm always surprised how how many times we'll look at a listing and someone won't show all of the aspects of the property for rent whether it's a room or a um yeah or or an apartment or whole place if you're if you're showing a place that's got um a bathroom that's attached i don't want to see seven different views of the bed and no view of the bathroom i need to see the bathroom and know what that looks like uh same thing if if there's a kitchen included show a, a simple picture of the kitchen again it doesn't have to be seven photographs of it but i need to at least see that yes it's a kitchen or it's just a kitchen area with a microwave and a fridge but it doesn't have a cooker whatever you need to be able to show everything that the that the guest will be able to use and be very clear about what they can and cannot use um, sometimes the listings for instance if it's a private room uh, they're not clear about what the bathroom situation is. Yeah. If it's a if it's a private bathroom that's a, across the hall, say that. If it's a private bathroom that's on suite, say that. If it's a shared bathroom with everybody, be clear about that um, because sometimes the listings can be a little bit ambiguous. Good point. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for this great sure. advice. So, uh, what what's your your guys' plan? Are you gonna travel for the rest of your life, or are you at some point, looking to to settle back into a, a more normal lifestyle. We we enjoy traveling. We enjoy being nomads. Um, we figure we'll do this until the money runs out, and then we'll become Walmart readers, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, our goal is to keep this going as long as possible. You know, our, our expenses are pretty low since we have don't own a home, and if we can keep doing this, we'll keep doing it. You know, we're we're in our mid fifties, so we're not the typical nomad who's a backpacker in their twenties. But we're we're enjoying it, so we just want to keep it going. And one last question is: I know you're doing uh, a lot of writing, not just for the blog, but also for for some uh, some some newspapers and news sites. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that is that making enough for you guys to be able to support yourself? Not yet. Yeah. Okay. It's getting better every day, but no, we still we do a lot of different things yeah. um, to to make. Work. I do some. I, I do some content writing for a bunch of different travel sites, and uh, you know, kind of creating blog. I do blogs for some small small properties and things like that. And Michael does some other editing work and stuff. But, right. It's yeah. kind of a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but it's all digital nomad work. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Yeah, that's the key. So the one last thing I keep coming up with one last question. That's okay. <laughs> but uh, I was playing with the idea of of living somewhere for two or three months and then renting a two bedroom apartment and then just list the second apartment on Airbnb. Mm-hmm. What, do you, how, what do you think about that? 
we know somebody who's done that, you, it may not be legal with your lease. Most leases say you cannot sublet space. So you really have to be careful about what your lease says. Right. If your lease says you can do it or is silent about it, perhaps you can. Or your Airbnb, if you do it with through Airbnb, your Airbnb host might, I don't know how they would feel about it. I think they would not yeah. be happy. Yeah. They would not be happy about that. Yeah. Um, we know someone, I think, he, he, uh, in fact, that, that bad experience we had out west was someone who was actually renting the house and then subletting the rooms. Subletting the rooms and then doing some of them. And, and then do some Airbnb. It was totally fakakta. Mm -hmm. um, there is, the, you'd have to really look into whether or not you can do that. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Michael and Larissa. So please let our listeners know where they can find more find out more about you and your, your journey? Uh, they can find more about us at uh, our website, which is Changes in Longitude, which is Changes in Longitude, all one word, dot com. And on Twitter, at Changes. Changes underscore long. And Facebook, at Changes in Longitude. Awesome. So thanks again for uh, taking the time to, uh, to tell your story. I uh, really appreciate it. We enjoyed it. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks, Jasper. Okay, it was thanks, a lot of Jasper. fun. And Good for, luck in your travels. Thank you. And, and for all the listeners, uh, of course, uh, getpaidforyourpet.com forward slash podcast. You can find all the 69 episodes that we have so far, as well as lots of other information about Airbnb hosting. So go ahead and check that out. And of course, next Monday, it will be a next episode of Get Paid for Your Pets. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Yeah.